Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you who are new here this morning, we're so glad you're with us, and uh, well done on braving the uh, daylight savings time change up and uh, losing that hour of sleep and still making it here this morning. So, well done. Uh, we're in a teaching series called uh, Re, and uh, this series is about the restoration work that God wants to do within each and every one of us. God wants to transform us in, in a radical way, changing us from the inside out. So, this restoration work that God is doing, uh, it, it springs up in the human heart, it spills over into our habits, and it eventually floods our relationship. And so in this restoration work, the theme of this series, and what we keep saying to you again and again and again, is the kindest thing you can do, the kindest thing you can do is to participate with God in His restoration work in your life. Because here's the thing, God is for you, He is not against you. God wants you to become the best version of yourself, not Oprah's idea of the best version of yourself, but God's idea of the best version of yourself, which is to be recreated and transformed into the image of Jesus. God is on a mission to change your life, to transform you from the inside out. Now, as it turns out, this restoration work that God wants to do has a whole bunch of rewords attached to it. And this series is about looking at and exploring all of these rewords. So the, the first week, we, we talked about reminding ourselves in the gospel. Uh, we've looked at uh, repentance a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about resisting temptation. This week, uh, we are going to be focusing in on rethinking your identity. And, and by the way, if you missed previous weeks, you can go on our website and you can listen uh, to, to the previous podcasts. You can also download them uh, through, uh, through iTunes as well. Obviously, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch, watch the video. So if you're just joining us now, you can still go back and see where we started in the series. Well, here's the thing. Today's topic, as I said, is rethinking your identity. Did you know that you have an identity? Uh, your identity is how you see yourself. It's, it's your self-understanding. It's your sense of being. It's the summary of everything that you actually believe about yourself. And listen, your, your identity is incredibly important because it sets the agenda for how you ultimately are going to live your life. It's the thing that gives you energy. It's, it sets your priorities. It determines your motivations. You ultimately become what you believe about yourself. Your identity forms your destiny. And so, the most important question you will ever ask in this life here on Earth, the most important question, the fundamental question of all of humanity is this. Who are you? And do you know who you are? See, as it turns out, every part of your life flows ultimately from this question. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter whether you're a person of faith or you're a person of non-faith. Who you are ultimately determines who you are becoming. Now, a number of you, you maybe have heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment that was conducted in the early 1970s. In fact, there was a movie in 2015 uh, that was based on this story. Basically, a, a, a psychology professor, his name was Philip Zimbardo, 
he led a team of scientists, and what they did is they built a mock prison in the basement of the psychology department at Stanford. And they put up advertisements in the local papers looking for volunteers. At the end of the day, they landed with 24 uh, volunteers who didn't really know each other. They were selected to participate, and they chose candidates that they thought were emotionally stable and healthy people. Now, at random, half of the candidates were selected to be prison guards. The other half of the candidates were selected to be prisoners. The guards were given military-style uniforms, they were given dark glasses, and they were given one clear mandate, keep order in the prison. That is your job, that's your one job. Interestingly, the prisoners were actually arrested in their homes. They were handcuffed, and they were processed through an actual police department. They were fingerprinted, and then they were blindfolded, and they were shipped to the prison. So they had no idea where they were. And when they arrived, they were given prison clothes. Uh, they were put an, a number on the front of their shirt, a number on the back of their shirt, and they were not allowed to use their own names. They could only address themselves as a number. Now, what happened in this experiment was astounding. The experiment was actually intended to last for two weeks. It only lasted for six days because everything, absolutely everything spiraled out of control. The guards, they transformed into these super aggressive alpha males. Uh, they made it their mission to humiliate the inmates. Uh, as a matter of fact, things escalated at times into psychological torture and abuse. And four of the prisoners actually had to get pulled from the experiment early because of they were having emotional breakdowns, extreme depression, crying, rage, anxiety. Six days later, they shut the entire experiment down. Now, one of the key discoveries of the experiment, one of the key outcomes, was how quickly the guards and the prisoners had internalized these roles that were given to them. And what it shows us is how powerful our identity is and how our identity can so much impact how we live. So who are you? Do you know who you are? So where did your identity come from? Well, as it turns out, your identity actually comes from multiple sources. Uh, Clyde Sn Klein Snodgrass, okay, I love that name, Klein Snodgrass. If I had another child, uh, we're too old, but if I had another child, I'd name him Snodgrass, okay? So in his book, he wrote this excellent book, and, and it's God, Who God Says You Are. And he identifies a number of different sources that help form our identity. So I'm going to put, a, put it up here on the screen here. Uh, and these are the different sources that come together to form your identity. Uh, so, for example, your identity is formed by your physical body. You have a body type. Your body is in a certain condition of health. Your body is young, it's old. All the features of your body, your gender, your brain's capacity, all of these help form your identity. Your identity is also formed through your history. So your name, where you grew up, the experiences you've had, all the good times, all the bad times, these have come together to help form your identity. Your identity is also formed through your relationships. Okay, so your family, your friends, the people you associate with, what people say about you, the quality of your relationships, these all come together to form your identity. Your identity is formed by your commitments. We all make commitments, right? We make commitments to work, to family, to friends. We commit ourselves to certain values. We commit our time and we commit our money to certain things. 
What you are committed to shapes your identity. Your identity is formed by your actions. So we make choices and we act on these choices. Some of them are good choices, some of them are bad choices, but you are what you do and you are what you repeatedly do. Your choices, your actions shape your identity. Your identity is also formed by your boundaries, Klein will say. So we all have these self-imposed limitations in our lives. We have things we will not, will not do, places we will not go, people we will not associate. We set up boundaries, we define ourselves not only as who we are, but we also define ourselves as who we are not. Your identity is shaped by your boundaries. Your identity is formed by changes. You are a changing person. You are never the same. You are constantly in this change, in this flux. And because of this, your identity is actually flexible. It's growing. It's, it's emerging. Is it getting better or is it getting worse? But change is a part of your identity. You see yourself as a changing person. And your identity is also formed by your future. You have a perceived future self. You have goals. You have plans. You always think about yourself in terms of where you are going. Your future ultimately pulls you along into this future reality. Your future shapes your identity. So your identity is this conglomeration of multiple sources. And by the way, let me just say, I mean, if there's anybody who has a clear sense of their personal identity, it is Groot from the Marvel Universe, right? I am Groot, right? I mean, he knows who he is. It's very clear, because that's all he can say. I am Groot. Now, behind all of these sources, all of these sources that surround you, it is what you might call your central identity. It's the internal you. It's the thinking you. It's the, the remembering you. And this central identity, it analyzes your experiences, your thoughts, your actions, your memories, your aspirations. It censors them. It filters them. It interprets them. And it chooses what's in, what's out. It chooses what's going to be more important, what's going to be less important. And then it synthesizes them, and it puts them all together. And what you have at the end of it is a central identity, who you are, based on all of these outside sources that are around you. And this central identity, it's really important that it should not be confused with the version of you that you put out for all the world to see. Your central identity should never be confused with the public identity that you put out there. So it's not the you that you post on social media. It's not the, the you that you post to your parents or that you submit to your boss or that you submit to your relationships, your spouse, your friends. Your central identity is the you when nobody else is watching. It's the vision of yourself behind the mask that you wear. And let me tell you, we all wear masks. So who are you? Do you know who you are? You know, and, and the thing of it is, is, is that your identity in many ways is distorted. You see, everybody experiences this same problem. We, how we see ourselves is never completely accurate. More than not, there's some degree of distortion in our self-identity. Sometimes I can get your identity completely ignores the glaring faults in your life. Have you ever done that before? Or sometimes your, your identity bends or alters what's true. Sometimes it magnifies what's trivial, and sometimes it minimizes what's really important. Your identity, in many ways, is, is distorted. Well, why does this happen? Well, the Bible teaches that there's something deeply wrong with the human condition. There's a, there's a flaw in our internal software. There's a 
virus that causes us to malfunction and sometimes even to crash. I like how Jeremiah put it in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. He said this, he said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, the Bible would teach us that the reason we have distorted identities is because we are fallen beings. We have, as Jeremiah would say, we have a terminal sickness of the soul. And the Bible calls it a sinful nature. It's, it's this inner drive that we have within us to live life on our own terms, apart from God. Ultimately, we want to be God. We want to be in control of our world and of our universe. And this sin nature continually steers us in the wrong direction. Hebrews 3.13 would say that it, it hardens our heart, that sin is ultimately very deceptive. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans 7. He says that the sin nature will make you, make you do the wrong thing sometimes, even when you know you need to do the right thing. And, and you feel like you're... Your mind is fragmented. And so what we ultimately end up with as humans is a, a distorted vision of ourselves, sometimes even a fragmented vision of ourselves, a fragmented identity. Well, what's the solution? Who are you? Do you know who you are? You know, in, in Colossians, we discover a lot about our identity. And ultimately, this question gets answered for us. And we're going to look at a passage today from Colossians chapter 3. And just a side note, this was just a, a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul who was writing to a church um, in the city of Colossae. And what's interesting is when you read Paul's letters, one thing you'll discover is that Paul was, he was an entrepreneur of identity. Paul wrote about your identity in, in all of his letters. He always talked about your identity. He never used that word. But he always talked about the concept of identity. So I'm going to look at this text together. I'm going to read it. You can follow along. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. Here's what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He's as if then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And this is the word of God. Who are you? Come on. Do you know who you are? Paul has something to teach us this morning about who we are. And I want to highlight three observations from the text that teach us about our identity. Let's dive right into today's text. Paul says in verse 3 that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul is talking about a new identity that is the result of a new reality. And this new reality is what's called being in Christ. Listen, when you surrender your life to Christ through faith, you enter into a new spiritual reality. 
so that you are spiritually connected to Christ. You are attached to Him. You are bound to Him. This is your heavenly position. This is your real identity. You are in Christ. And in this new reality, Paul says three things. He says, you have died, you have been raised to new life, and you will appear with Him in glory. So, you have, you, he says, you have died to your old self, your old sinful self that was under the penalty of judgment, your old self that was captive to sin's power, your old self, the old you, is dead, and you are dead to it. And you have been raised to new life. So, your spirit that was dead inside of you is now made alive. You are no longer disconnected from God, and you can enter into a new relationship with Him. And furthermore, God's spirit comes to live inside of you. So the resurrection power that raised Jesus up from the dead empowers you to live the life that you were always meant to live. The resurrection power inside of you gives you life. You have access to it, and it changes you from the inside out. And one day, you will appear with Him in glory. Because you are in Christ, you can have assurance of a great and future hope with Christ in a resurrected body in a new heaven and a new earth, ruling and reigning with Him together for all eternity. This is the new reality that we enter into as believers through faith in Christ. We didn't buy it. We couldn't earn it. All we could do was receive it through faith. This is your new identity in Christ. This is who you are. But of course, there's so much more to this new identity. I mean, if, if you were to turn your Bible a few pages to the right or two pages to the left. I mean, there's so much that you could discuss, so much more that you could discover about yourself. Because you are in Christ, you are the benefactor of an entire new reality. And I, I'm going to take some time this morning, just for a few minutes, if you will humor me, to remind you of your new identity in Christ this morning. And I believe many of you are here today because you just need to hear this. So let me remind you. Let me remind you this morning of who you are. And I pray that you would receive it. Because you are in Christ, the Bible says, you have been adopted as a child of the Father. You are part of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a citizen of heaven and an heir to the kingdom. You are a saint, a soldier, and a servant of the Most High. You are God's workmanship who He's transforming, and you are God's temple where He is dwelling. You are Christ's ambassador. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are redeemed, reconciled, sanctified, and justified. And all of this because you are a new creation in Christ. That is your identity. It's unconditional. It's unbreakable. It's unstoppable. Stamp it, stamp it. No races. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is who you are. This is your identity. Let me ask you this morning. Who are you? you know who you are. Here's a second observation that we get from Paul, is, is that this new identity that, that is within us ultimately produces a new way of living. Paul says this, he says, if it's true, okay, if it's true that you're dead to sin and you're alive in Christ, then this should work its way out into how we live. It should ultimately change everything. You'll notice in verse 5, he says that you've got to put to death your earthly nature. And then verse 10, he says, put on the new self. And this is because the new identity in Christ should ultimately produce a new way of living. And I want to point something out in verse 5. Paul says in 
verse 5, put the death therefore. And I think that therefore makes all the world a difference. It is uber important because it shows us that the new life is the result of the new identity, not the other way around. You have a new life, therefore live a new life. It doesn't say live a new life so that you can have a new identity. And we have to be really, really, really careful as believers in Christ that we don't get this backwards because a lot of us get this backwards in our minds. And when we get this backwards into our minds, we slip back into a, an old form of workspace righteousness, legalism, attempting to earn your position with Christ, and you miss the gospel. You have a new life, therefore, a new identity, therefore, live a new life. So your position with God is secure. You are in Christ Jesus. You are dead to sin. This is your new identity. Therefore, put away the old way of life. You are alive in Christ. That's your new identity. Therefore, put on a whole new set of virtues. The new identity that we receive ultimately should lead to a new way of living. And that's what Paul is telling us. So if that's so, that's important. Because then we have to figure out what to do with our identities. Here's a third observation. This is what Paul is driving at in the text. He's saying you must, you must rethink your identity. Paul says we should set our minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And what he means is that many of us are still seeing ourselves under the old reality. Your identity is still trapped in the old reality. You have resuscitated the old self. You're still trying to get as much mileage as you can out of the old dead you. You are like the walking dead. And this is ultimately what was happening in the church in Colossae. I mean, people were going back to the old system of Judaism. They went, wanted to go back to living under the law of Moses. So they were following these food restrictions. They were keeping the holy days. They were, they were valuing these ecstatic spiritual experiences. And so their spiritual status before God was based on all of these things. It was based on rules, and it was based on religion. But Paul is saying, listen, you can't set your minds on the things that are on earth. You can't live in this old reality. Why? Because we're part of the new reality. When Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. Jesus completed everything that the prophets ultimately were pointing towards. Jesus ushered in a whole new age with a whole new reality. The old reality is gone. You can't live there anymore. Now, let me give you a practical example. Um, when I first got married, I had to learn to think in a new reality. See, my old reality was singleness, but my new reality was marriage. I think there are a number of people in the audience today who could probably identify with this illustration. It's been 30 years, Steve, 40 years. Uh, the old reality was this. One plus one equals two. The new reality is this. One plus one equals one. Paul says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave or cling to his wife and the two shall become one. This is the new reality, but I was still, you know, the only problem was, well, my mind had not caught up to the new reality. See, in the old reality, I could do whatever I wanted. I could hang out with the boys. I could, I could go to the gym. I could play video games late into the night. I could buy whatever I wanted, eat whatever I wanted, right? 
But in the new reality, things are supposed to be different, right? Regular meals around a dinner table, going to bed together, planning your schedule around each other, agreeing together about major purchases. You know, the first and only major fight that Karen and I had took place in our first month of marriage. And it was over a computer purchase. I, I was going through a secondhand store. I saw it there, gathering dust in the corner. Commodore 64. Hey, listen. That thing has 64K of RAM, I'll have to know. 64K. I adore my 64, my Commodore 64. I grew up with one, did a lot of hacking with one, and I thought to myself, I want one. And on an impulse, I purchased that thing. Way overpriced. I think it was like 100 bucks, and this was a long time ago, okay? Back then, Karen and I were living in an apartment together. I was in school, I had a part-time minimum wage job, she had a full-time minimum wage job. We didn't have a lot of money. This was a significant purchase, okay? Well, what was going on at the time? My mind was still living in the old reality. My mind had not advanced to the new reality. I was still thinking and living like I was single. And let me tell you, I did not make that same mistake twice. You do not want to get on Karen's bad side. She's frightening. You cannot walk into a new reality and still think in the old reality. You cannot step into your future and still think in your past. Paul says that we have to set our minds on the new reality in Christ. You are hidden with Christ in God. You have died. You have been raised. You will appear in glory. You have to rethink your identity. Those challenges, our minds, have not caught up to this new reality. There is still identity confusion, identity distortion. But Jesus wants to close the gap in your mind. He wants to change your mind. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He says, therefore, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How does transformation happen? It begins with a renewed mind. A mind that understands who you are and whose you are. A mind that is set, that is focused on this new reality. This is ultimately what catalyzes and brings about the restoration work that Jesus wants to do in our lives. Listen. There is nothing more powerful than a changed mind. There are lots of things that you can try and change in your life. You can change your hairstyle. You can change your clothing. You can change your street address. You can change your boyfriend. You can change your job. But if you do not change your mind, you are going to have the same experience over and over again. You do not leave your problems behind by changing your environment. Your problems are going to follow you wherever you go. It's kind of like that Tom Cruise movie, you know, Edge of Tomorrow, where he wakes up every day and he has to live out the same thing again and again and again until finally he gets it right. Only the challenge is that we're not ultimately getting it right. It's not enough to change what is on the outside. If you don't change what's on the inside, nothing happens. There is nothing more powerful than a changed mind. What needs to change in our minds? Well, you need to have your identity centered in Christ. 
You know, earlier on we looked at this diagram of uh, different sources for your identity. Listen, Christ cannot just be another add-on to your identity source repertoire. Christ was never meant to be just another accessory to your identity. He's not an additional feature like you're buying a car. He's not an app that you download onto your phone. Your identity has to be centered in Christ. You are hidden with Christ in God. He must become the totality of your identity. And here's the thing. When your entire new identity is in Christ, he powerfully reframes all the other sources of your identity. And I can say this is true from personal experience. Jesus will renew your understanding of your body. He will redeem your history. He will heal your relationships. He will recalibrate your commitments. He will empower your actions. He will reinforce your boundaries. He will help you to reimagine the future that pulls you along. When your identity is in Christ, He reframes your identity. And the end result is that this new identity ultimately leads to a new way of living. It catalyzes the restoration work that Jesus wants to do in you. And Jesus can work His restoration project in your life. It begins with a changed mind, with understanding this new identity. But oftentimes, we allow these other sources to be central to our identity. Our commitments become central, or our actions, or our relations, or our bodies. And what they do is they subvert Christ, they remove Him from the throne, and they push Him off into the fridge, so He becomes an accessory. And then they become the center. And listen, this is the way that sin goes about distorting our identity. Let me give you some examples. Uh, for some of you this morning, um, your actions are at the center of your identity. So you've, you've made a huge mistake in the past. You've acted inappropriately, and to this day, you are still carrying around this huge weight of regret. So your entire identity is, is so caught up in this big past mistake. And you carry this regret with you into every relationship, into every conversation, into every attempt at success. So it's like there's this audio recording that's playing again and again in the back of your mind. You're a failure. Look at what you did in the past. You will never amount to anything. You will never be a success. It's become your identity. Here's another example. Some of you have put relationships at the center of your identity. In your past, someone, maybe they hurt you, betrayed you, or maybe you were abandoned by somebody you thought should care a great deal about you. So now you're fearful of relationships. Now you have trust issues, maybe daddy issues. And the result, you, you tend to keep to yourself. You shy away from relationships because you just don't want to be hurt again. Or, or it may have the reverse effect. You, you hold on to your relationships so tight with suffocating strength because you're afraid that they're going to abandon you and, and they're going to walk away from you. Or you might even compromise your integrity, do things that you never thought you would do just to keep the relationship going. But what's happened is relationship has become the center of your identity. And there are so many things that can become the center of our identity. Our ethnicity, our gender, our commitments to work or to family. So many things can be the sum of who we are, but they were never meant to be for believers in Christ. And when Jesus is not at the center of your identity, you are still living in the old reality. Sin has distorted your identity. But your identity is centered in Christ. 
reframes everything. The old self is dead, the new self is alive. And you can enter into a relationship with confidence and wholeness. You can leave your past in your past because you are a new creation in Christ. So let me ask you again one final time. Who are you? Do you know who you are? Let me get really practical here this morning. Just, just as we close, and let me just answer this question. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you put Christ at the center? How do you form a new identity with Christ Jesus in the middle? Okay? Let me just suggest three things. The first one I would suggest is surrender. I, I think it begins with an act of choice, an act of the volition, where you surrender your identity to Christ. You have to be willing to take off all of these other sources of identity as the center and put Jesus back in the center. Jesus, be the center, be my source, be my life. And then just receive this new identity in faith. But it begins with an act of surrender. Second, I would just say, remember, Paul says that we're supposed to set our minds. He talks about seeking what is above. So it's active, it's, it's intentional. You know, it's amazing how many people are not conscious of the way they think things that go through your mind on a day-to-day basis. We just let them go through. And there's a tape recorder of the old identity that's running all the time in our minds. And what we need to do is tune in and pay attention to what we're saying to ourselves about ourselves. And when we spot the lie to say, that is a lie, I do not believe that. So yes, you can speak to yourself. I do not believe that. That is not true. And this is what is true of I think that list that we put in the bulletin there, I think that you, should, you could take that and you could go through it, you could meditate on it on a daily basis. Do that for a couple of weeks and just see what happens. But you need to be identifying the lie. You need to be embracing the truth. You have to set your minds. It is intentional. It will not happen by accident. If it happens, the only thing that's going to happen by accident is you're going to slide away from Jesus being the center. Remember, you have to remember one of the ways to do this is to get into the Word, to read the Word, to meditate on the Word of God and allow it to become part of your soul. And here's the third thing I would say, is to gather. To gather. Surround yourself with people who are going to remind you of who you are. And be a person who reminds other people of who they are. Uh, one of the ways you could do this is to get into a home group. The other thing you can do is just invest in good Christ-centered relationships. But to give each, other, give each other permission, or give permission to each other in the group, to actually remind each other of who we are. It's called gospeling each other. Gospel is a verb in this sense. Let me gospel you. I hear what you're saying. And I hear your concern. But let me just gospel you this morning. Let me remind you of who you are. This is who Jesus says you are. I think we need to gather together. And when we gather together as believers in Christ, we remind ourselves and again, who we are in Christ. Do these three things, and I think we'll be well underway towards rethinking our identities. Who are you?
grace is you giving yourself to us. And today, Lord, we pray that you would renew our minds so that we can envision the best version of ourselves, created in Christ Jesus to give you us to come with you. Remind us of who we are and who we are. And for those this morning who are at dislocated centers, Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.